The air date was September 28th, 1987, but the star date was 41153.7. This is Encounter at Farpoint. All right. Uh, thanks for joining us, everybody. My name is Byron Hussey. I'm joined by Jan Van Den Hemmel. Hello. Thank you for mm-hmm. joining me, Jan. Thank you. It's, it's great to talk to you. It's fine. Likewise. This is Trek Trudge, our Star Trek The Next Generation recap podcast on the Biopod podcasting network. We are going to be recapping the very first episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Very exciting. This is uh, Encounter at Farpoint. I have some exciting uh, music from the episode. Here it goes. That's really good. good. Was that done on a uh, like a Casio? (laughs) It sounds like one of those really good Casio synthesizers that that I used to mess around with in in the Radio Shack. I don't. (laughs) Did you have Radio Shacks in um, in Belgium? Sadly, no. It's really you You missed out. Only waffle shops. This is Encounter at Far Point. This is the first episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation. I have an admission here before we get into it. And that is that I, I really haven't watched this show since I was a kid, a young, mm-hmm. a young child. So although I've seen every episode, I haven't seen them in probably you know, 20 years. So I, I'm realizing as I'm, I'm rewatching them that there's a lot, of, uh, a lot of stuff that I didn't really get when I was a kid. So it's very interesting to rewatch them as an adult and uh, kind of actually understand some of, the, uh, some of the, the, the context behind what was happening. And I had this uh, association with these early episodes as being very kind of cheesy and hokey, which yeah. this certainly was to some extent, but I was surprised by how good it actually was too. It was sort of like a quality feature length movie. Yeah, they even have a special effects from uh, ILM or something, I think, which is like Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Star Wars. Yeah, apparently ILM did the special effects for only this episode, but then they <laughs> reused those effects throughout the entire series. So they really got their money's worth. Uh, thanks, thanks, George Lucas. <laughs> no, he he didn't sue them like Battlestar Galactica. At least they also had the ILM uh, effects, and then George Lucas sued them for being too much like Star Wars, <laughs> even though he did the effects. When, when they realized that actually everybody can do shows about spaceships right. and stuff, not just George Lucas. <laughs> I, I th- kind of thought that George Lucas uh, came up with with the, the concept of space <laughs> in general. I thought that was his. So, That's why he gets the big things. Yeah, he's a billionaire. <laughs> yeah, he, he, sold for, uh, he sold his company for like $5 billion or something. Yeah, but, Too deep. but so much money. That's nice. That's where we're going with this podcast as well. Yeah. This this, pod, this podcast is, is when when we yeah. sell this podcast eventually, uh, it's going to be probably four or five billion dollars, at least. The yeah, pod- with inflation and stuff. I mean, it's you're, it's not just a podcast; it's a podcasting empire, sort of like the Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> Do you want to get into this a little bit? I, I actually I, I have a few f- uh, fun facts prepared before we get into the the actual episode. Um, since this is, this is the very first episode of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation, I thought I'd just kind of get into a little bit of the history of the show. 
I was reading it. Apparently, uh, Gene Roddenberry, sort of at the onset of the show, was very difficult uh, to work with mm-hmm. because he had all kinds of um, really, really, really strange um, standards for the writing in the show. Apparently, he uh, virtually rewrote the first 15 episodes because of his, quote, dogmatic intention to depict human inter- interaction. Without drawing on the baser motives of greed, lust, and power, writers found the show's Bible constricting. So there was apparently like a revolving door of writers who just kept quitting the show because they just found uh, Gene Roddenberry kind of insufferable. And did they fire him or something? How did he stop working on it after a while? Um, that's a good question. How did they get rid of him? <laughs> maybe maybe uh, as, we, as we proceed, that, that trivia will reveal itself. Uh, contextually, but that that information was not included in, in in what I was reading to prepare for this. Maybe he just died. Did you know that um, I read about this some, somewhere online that um, Gene Roddenberry used to um, put together uh, edits of uh, like uh, uh, outtakes and uh, funny footage from uh, the original series and show it at conventions. And uh, Leonard Nimoy was always really upset. Was Leonard Nimoy? <laughs> too proud he, he didn't like to, to watch himself fail yeah he was too serious he was uh, really like spock apparently like in real life he was actually spock there's a an alternate script to the first to to uh, encounter at farpoint the first draft was actually called meeting at farpoint <laughs> they were just going to have a meeting there yeah about I don't, business. i'm not sure why why that word had to change but the <laughs> The first, the first draft was for an hour-long premiere episode. Um, Roddenberry wanted it to be an hour long, and the first draft was pretty different, actually, including some some big differences in some of the main characters. I think I, I think I read that Data and uh, Riker were very big friends. Yeah, close Data friend. and Riker were very okay. close friends. Uh, Captain Picard was actually named Julian Picard in the first draft and the first officer was to be Kyle Summers the security chief was going to be named Macha Hernandez I kind of want to see that that guy instead we got Tasha Yar who it's a male character sounds female I think uh actually I don't know Macha I don't know if Macha is a male or female name it ends in an A does that mean it's female uh, sounds female. I think they still use that character on um, Voyager. There's a Maja Hernandez. Oh, Torres. She's kind of a Mexican Klingon security. Do you chief think that Macha um, Torres was basically they were reusing the ma- the Macha? I guess, guess Macha is like the female for macho, the female macho female. <laughs> That's probably uh, where that came from. Yeah. Right. William Riker was a lieutenant commander, and he was very good friends with Data, who was uh, written as looking Eastern, which I think means maybe it was going to be he was going to be Asian. Yeah, they're really interested in Asians at that time. Like yeah. the Klingons also looked Asians, didn't they? Yeah, and it's they kind of did make Data look sort of Asian, I guess. I don't know why they couldn't have just cast an Asian mm-hmm. person, but. Um, maybe that would have been offensive, just like this is our 
our Asian robot. Motionless. Like, yeah, he's really, he's really good at math. Oh, oh another thing is uh, Wesley Crusher was originally named Leslie Crusher. So we could have had a, a girl, girl Wesley. Hmm. Might have been more interesting. I mean, no offense to Will Wheaton. Uh, hope we can have him on the show. <laughs> I wonder if this Leslie... Leslie Crusher would have been as much of kind of a uh, a, uh, a geek culture gadfly as uh, Will Wheaton has turned out to be. Uh, one one other character that was removed was uh, an assistant doctor named Doctor Doctor Asenzi, which I think sounds like maybe an Italian guy. Doctor Asenzi. Hey, mamma mia! How do I get to the track? That would be great. Uh, Italian, an offensive Italian. Uh, Character in Star Trek. <laughs> it was a, a missed a opportunity. In this in this original draft, also, the antagonists in the episode were was it apparently going to be a, an alien race of sort of ape creatures called the Annoy. <laughs> Sounds annoying. <laughs> it's it was spelled A N N O I, but that was probably too expensive. I don't know those ape costumes. It would have forced them to keep doing those kind of uh, special makeup jobs for the rest of the series. I don't. They wouldn't have had to get makeup jobs. You could just go to any costume shop and get those those funny gorilla costumes and just put like a, you know, put like a vest over it and it looks real. Just go over to the Planet of the Apes sets and (laughs) and borrow some stuff. Just break in at night, steal the all the ape masks. All right. uh, Do you want to get into the episode? Yeah. Guess that means it's time for the captain's log. Captain's log, stardate 41153.7. Our destination is planet Deneb 4, beyond which lies the great unexplored mass of the galaxy. My orders are to examine Farpoint, a starbase built there by the inhabitants of that world. Meanwhile, I am becoming better acquainted with my new command, this galaxy-class USS Enterprise. I am still somewhat in awe of its size and complexity. As for my crew, we are short in several key positions, most notably a first officer, but I am informed that a highly experienced man, one Commander William Riker, will be waiting to join the ship at our Deneb 4 destination. This is going to get really excited about the captain's log. So the first act opens with the captain's log and Captain Picard sort of standing in the in the shadows very dramatically. Um, and he kind of uh, takes a quick survey of his ship and ends up on the bridge. And um... I find that the Patrick Stewart looks older in the beginning than in the end. It's probably because he still had some hair and it's gray. And later he just doesn't have hair and it's, he just looks 20, 10 years younger. So. Yeah, probably had a lot of plastic surgery during the course of the series to tighten some of that yeah. up, you know, yeah. very vain, mm-hmm. very vain man. I also noticed that the, the actors at that point, they were really not in shape and they all have uh, male boobies yeah? <laughs> or maybe their costumes are just not very well fit. I think the costume, especially are... in the beginning when he, uh, when he says uh, inquiry, the word snoop, there's a shot from the site and he just has a uh, huge boobies. Just basically. The... Just the full lady bosom. Well, there's no reason that um, Data shouldn't have a bosom because, you know, I mean, he's not really male or female. He he can 
I mean, it's it's kind of arbitrary what 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 human parts he has. He's not. So why not add add some boobs? Why yeah, why deny him his, that experience? In his, in his Our, so the first interaction uh, in the series, in the whole series, is this uh, it, this interaction between uh, Picard and Data, where Picard's yeah. talking about this uh, this mission to Farpoint and how where they have to snoop around. And uh, Data doesn't doesn't know the, the word, word snoop. Snoop. It's it's funny that he seems to know every possible synonym for the word snoop, but that one was omitted from his uh, yeah. from his his dictionary. He just he's just pretending, I think. Yeah, <laughs> he's just messing with the card. He has a pretend to be stupid subroutine. Maybe that is part of his, uh, like, it's, this will make me more endearing. Yeah. People will pretend. I see him not perfect. <laughs> yeah, because, like, obviously he already knows everything. So just as a defense He's mechanism, he plays dumb for a while. He's so, already solved the problems for the next three episodes. Yeah, like he already knows that Farpoint Station is a alien being. <laughs> that is uh is being is is being used to uh but by, by the inhabitants of of far point he's figured it out he's just not he's not letting anybody anybody know um so it's a fun it's a fun opening scene i think it's it's i think it's just worth always reiterating that like if if data were written today we would know him to sort of have be able to google anything sort of on the spot, you know, because we, we pretty much can just do that from our smartphones. And it's like, it's like one step removed from just being able to do it in your Android brain. So it's kind of silly that there would be anything he wouldn't know, because certainly they would have something the, like, like Google at the time, and but just like much better. And he could just do that in, in his brain and just know everything. But they didn't have Google when they wrote this. So he still had to like have all of this stuff like stored in his brain. And if it wasn't in yeah. there, he just didn't know. He probably has those kind of tape, you know, tapes running with the data on the <laughs> like, magnetic tape. Like the re like a reel to reel. Yeah. <laughs> like a bunch like of a before a cartridge, bunch of vacuum set. tubes mm -hmm. and lights and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> Mm -hmm. uh, uh, we meet uh, con officer Lieutenant Torres, also who's. I don't know if he's in any other episodes, but he's he's not very good. He's they oh, see the name is Torres. Yeah, Lieutenant Torres. They recycled that name then for Voyager. Yeah, that she's probably named after this Torres, or maybe this is her father. Although she's a Klingon, so. there's also an ensign Janeway on uh, the Next Generation, and uh, Captain Janeway is the captain in the Voyager. It's probably Captain Janeway's niece. <laughs> that's, that's a little fan fiction I just came up with there. Thank you're welcome. <laughs> it's Jane, this is Janeway's niece. Uh, we also, I think, meet. We, we don't really formally meet all the characters, but they're all there. Worf is there. Tasha Yar is there. Mm -hmm. 
I like the way they are introduced. They are not all introduced at the same time in the beginning. That's good. Yeah. Like they meet Riker with her and uh, Doctor Crusher and so. Yeah, it was really That's smart how they did it. Like I, I was surprised. I had forgotten that like you didn't. Not everybody was on the ship yet, so you got to like yeah. separately meet everybody and 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 get to know them a little bit and then and then meet more people later and you know i was reading about that and i think they actually they actually adopted the same uh technique in the first episode of deep space nine like very deliberately mm -hmm. like you didn't meet um Jadzia dax that's her name right dax until i have no idea i've never watched it oh man <laughs> Do you think do you think we could figure out a way to do a Deep Space Nine podcast concurrently with our the Next Generation podcast? Yeah, that would be interesting because I've never watched it. So I and I barely remember it. It's 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 pretty good. I mean, it gets better later. Mm -hmm. But anyway, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's move <laughs> along here. Um, so so we meet Torres, and Torres is like sort of the the quintessential red shirt. Uh, he's just this disposable character, um, and he's, it's, he's almost like a Chekhov's gun. Like we meet this guy, it's like uh, something bad is going to happen to this dude. <laughs> um, and so we have the interaction between uh, Picard and, and Data, and some some exposition, and then uh, Q appears, mm -hmm. and he's dressed, I think, as uh, Christopher Columbus. Yeah. Maybe. And then uh, Cold War in general. Yeah, he goes. He cycles through a bunch of uh, of, of embarrassing human characters, um, and like for Columbus, so embarrassing. Columbus is like. I mean, I don't want to get too political in this podcast, but I mean, he didn't he do like kind of a genocide? I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. That's embarrassing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, we actually—it's actually Columbus Day weekend here in the United States. Um, yeah, Monday is Columbus Day, <laughs> and I unfortunately I don't have it off. But uh, it's a very controversial holiday because it's basically the guy—you know—I mean, he came here for profit, and he just killed a and then enslaved a bunch of people. Jan, I mean, come on. It's you, like if we had Adolf Hitler Day or something. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> They probably do in some small villages in Bavaria. Yeah, <laughs> just don't talk about it. Like <laughs> polite conversation. Um, so Torres, uh, Q appears, and Torres uh, kind of takes a phaser out from the bottom of his console. What I don't know why they think that they need that on the bridge. Like it's like it's sort of like the gun under the desk at the like the the private detective's office like, like just in case the shit gets crazy i'm gonna keep this phaser here and it's like a weird phaser it's like it looks like a pager so yeah. uh i like that actor uh q he's very funny yeah he's great i forgot what a good actor he was he was actually um doing uh, like a stage performance at the same time yeah. like a dramatic um and they had to kind of shoot around his, his schedule and his name is. <laughs> I'm so well prepared. Yeah, welcome to Trek Trek. Where we try Trek to Trek. remember the main cast members. Who who's the guy that plays Q? Who's the guy that plays Jordy? 
What's his Captain, name? Right, who, what's that guy's name? <laughs> is John Delancey. John Delancey, yeah. yeah. He's uh yeah, he's a good good actor. From Crank. He... Did you watch that? Uh sorry. From Crank. Crank. The movie? Crank. Jason Statham. I didn't know he was in that. No, I've never seen it. It's a good movie. It's I mean, that's pretty recent. It's nice to hear he's getting work within the last decade. Not that recent. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was just saying, like, at least it wasn't like, at least it's post-1995, you know? Yeah. He's also in Crank, too. Oh, they, well, yeah. he, he's got the whole Crank, uh, the, 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 the Crank trilogy. Crank. Is it a trilogy yet? No, no, unfortunately. That's, that's a good uh, movie, though. It's very fun. I haven't seen many Jason, Jason Statham movies. <laughs> they seem like they're probably pretty good. That that one is a very funny crank. Sorry, uh, it's a funny one. Crank, crank is, is funny. crank is actually is it a, intended to be funny or is it yeah. sort of unintentionally? Directed funny? by a couple of uh, guys um, who mostly do commercials, huh. and uh, they just sort of improvised an action movie with him, and it's really crazy and uh, pretty funny. It's worth watching. I'll check it out, if only to mm-hmm. see and support, continue to support John Delancey's career. Okay. All right. Um, so Torres whips out this phaser from under his console and, and tries to attack Q, but Q freezes him. Which is <laughs> very sad. Uh, and I think we think that he's dead kind of for a second, but then it, it turns out he's okay. <laughs> Yeah, it just um, has that um, that stuff you you spray on the Christmas tree. Probably. Yeah, you know, fake, well. it's probably like really carcinogenic <laughs> too. I think whoever <laughs> the actor that played um, he probably Torres, died of cancer. He's, he's probably long since died of cancer or mesothelioma. It's probably like a uh, an asbestos based spray. There's bleached a... asbestos. <laughs> In a can. Yeah, there's a, there's, I think there's a behind-the-scenes um, picture with, of uh, Tasha Yar with it all over her face, too, uh, which yeah. is pretty funny. And I don't know her real name, either. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, it's um, Denise Crosby. Denise Crosby. Probably, it's good me. Uh, probably the niece of um, the, uh, Crosby mm-hmm. from Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Probably his niece. <laughs> um, so act. Uh, so in the next scene, uh, we get a captain's log supplementary. Oh, sorry. Did I did that hurt your ears? On his iPhone on the way to uh, to the bridge. Yeah, <laughs> he's got his. He's got a. a when does he record that? Log. Kind of there curious. was there was no time. There, it was. You know what it's because, like. It's um, like in reality shows when they record those confessionals like they do it later and like and cut it back in like he after every adventure they have to make sure to record a few like really poignant captain's logs um and first officer's logs so so they can you know add them to the report later on captain's log Captain's log supplementary. Frozen form of Lieutenant Torres has been rushed to sickbay. Question now, incredible power of Q being. Do we dare oppose it? Um, so Q cycles through a few different costumes. He changes 
into the Cold War uh, era American GI fella. Um, there's some poignant back and forth, and he also then he changes into a late 21st century soldier, which has been yeah. is controlled through drugs. <laughs> it's, a, it's a pretty pretty cool uh, 80s dystopian future. They're they're lining up here for uh, World War. There's a Star III. Wars reference. Did you notice that? I didn't. Mm. It's uh, the drug dispensing uh, thing they have on that uh, soldier's suit. It says um, R2-D2 CPO or something. Oh, that's cute. Do you think if if, um, George Lucas were listening to this podcast, he would still sue? sue. Like he could, he would be like, well, wait a minute. I missed that one. (laughs) That's a pretty spot on... uh, Church Lucas. Oh, thank, thank, you very, thank you very much. Can you oh, say something God. about um, how you came up with Jar Jar Binks? Well, I don't want to get the re- reputation of being too litigious, but I was, you know, intellectual property rights are very important to me. Well, Jar Jar was for the kids, you know. There's a lot of really kind of wacky characters in the original uh, uh, trilogy, if you'll recall. And, uh, Ewoks, for example. <laughs> I have the same reaction for Chewbacca as a man in a furry costume. Uh, this is a direct quote. I'm reading this off of his uh, his personal um, diary blog. Pretty good. So you can do it. Sorry, do it around your George Lucas impression. Yeah, you know, I mean, I'm 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 getting a little bit um, a little bit chubbier the last few weeks. I I, I could I could kind of kind of work on that and kind of try to fill myself out a little bit and then he's got that really cool like um beard where he's i mean he's got he's, he's kind of a rotund man at this point but he kind of shapes his face really well with like by sculpting his beard because like, <laughs> like he, he kind of like there isn't really a, a division between the, the his his jawline and his his neck but you, he creates it with the beard it's it's very uh, inspiring and I, I would like to emulate the look. Obviously. I'm I, would not... li- I would like to emulate his uh, bank account. <laughs> by the way, I'm not, I'm not trying to fat shame George Lucas. I think it's totally fine the way he looks, and he's a great man, mm-hmm. and I love him. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we meet the wacky 21st century drug soldier. Who, who, what is he wearing? Is that like um, like a... It looks like the kind of stuff they pack like TVs in, you know, that like foam. <laughs> yeah. He's wearing, uh, yeah, the kind of material that they use to make like uh, clothes to go fishing or something and then just uh, wrap a bunch of uh, styrofoam with yeah. that stuff. Glued it onto that guy. That's probably what it's made of. Yeah. Probably. So Q, uh, you know, goes on and on about putting humanity on trial for being savage. And he's not wrong. He's not. He's not wrong about anything he says. He's he, he, human beings are like have a horrible history. Uh, Picard doesn't actually intelligently refute any of this. He just sort of like relies on this assumption that that humans are great. Yeah, like there's something fundamentally great about humans, uh, even if we do awful things all the time, including like in the in the in the the current in the 24th century, like 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 
Q makes the point that like, oh, you're still going to war out here in space. It's like, well, yeah, that's what's kind of a good point. Like, why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Like in the in the very next scene, they go to the battle bridge. Why do they have a battle bridge? Why did they? That's so stupid. It's just like a special effect that they had to show. There's they never the, use again. It's good. The saucer separation. Excuse me. It's it's saucer sep. The Let saucer me sep. play back a little bit. Prepare for emergency saucer sep. <laughs> yeah, you see, Picard is a busy man. He doesn't have time to say uh, separation. That's, it, that's enough. It's enough. That's one syllable is good enough. What is separation? Oh, separation. That's four whole syllables. That's a waste of, waste of space yeah. time. <laughs> However, they do have time to um, to write uh, orders on a piece of paper and then bring it to engineering. <laughs> yeah, what was with that scene? It was like so he let's so he he gave Worf some orders to yeah. to deliver a message to engineering. He has to go there physically, and we watch him go. Like we we watch the whole trip. Like he goes yeah. he goes to engineering. He walks in the room. He hands something to somebody. He comes back without words, and then we're what? Why did that happen? Yeah, and the the note said something like. Uh... Get ready to get to uh, maximum warp, love. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I'm stupid. There was a good reason for it because they thought Q would be like monitoring their right. communications, but but Q's like uh, omnipotent, so why, couldn't he just like read the note? Yeah. It's just embarrassing, let's be honest. Q is just looking at it going like, Jesus. Yeah, so I, Luke, what are you doing? I guess to be fair, they don't even really know the extent of Q's powers. I, I'm not even sure if he would be able to read the note from a distance. Mm. <laughs> All right, I'll, I'll get I it. what it says on that note. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so. Get ready to up. I guess so. Let's I guess they establish. Get ready, to, uh, get ready for emergency saucer sep. P.S. Sep means separation. Sep sep is separation. Asterix. Mm -hmm. So the re the reason they they so so Picard comes up with this crazy plan, but basically, Q Q leaves and basically says he's going to judge them, right? And then mm -hmm. and then all, just sort of out of the blue, Picard comes up with this nutty plan, which probably sh was like really risky and probably they shouldn't have done. But they go up to maximum warp and do a saucer separation and put all of the the like, you know non-essential personnel into the into the saucer section and then Defense. Kind of, and yeah and then draw the uh draw cue away um with the do you think um picard secretly hopes that the saucer will be destroyed so he doesn't <laughs> have to take care of all those families and children and yeah, the children make <laughs> it very uncomfortable so if they, it would be very convenient for him <laughs> if they were all vaporized oh, in well. space um, so the plan uh, works, and um, it works. So what, sorry, what was the uh, what's the uh, the ship called um, when the saucer is sept? <laughs> um, it's like a good the question. the is warp. That a name? It does, and now I'm forgetting what it is. I'll I'll cut this out of the podcast. This is not. This isn't good right the here. <laughs> Uh, edit somewhere. That uh, doesn't matter. 
Um, I like that we're just trying to guess uh, <laughs> the name. I mean, it's, it's actually what's this it's called again? From yeah. uh, no, it's Star... definitely it's in here somewhere. I have it in the notes, uh, but I <laughs> I would have to scroll through and find it. All right, so um, they they did the saucer step. They they kind of distracted Q. They did that trick with the photon. Tor they so Yar fires some photon torpedoes to sort of distract Q, and then. Um, Q ends up tracking them down and summons them all into what we learn is a World War III style courtroom and puts humanity on trial with um, two humans, an android, a what a beta Z, and a. <laughs> There's only like two humans there, but he puts humanity yeah. on trial uh, with them as a proxy. Um, I don't know. I don't know why Q is is uh, sort of morally ambiguous enough to to include Data in in the the group of humanity and also a non. I, Yar is a uh, a Betazoid, right? No, not a Betazoid. A um, isn't she a human? Maybe she is. I think so. <laughs> More really good, uh, <laughs> more really good uh, podcasting. <laughs> what is she? What is she? Colin is not the answer to this. Eight hundred. She's single, and she has a sister named Ishara. Uh, uh, yeah, she's human. Sorry, I don't know. For some reason, I thought she was uh, an alien. I right, let's cut this part out. <laughs> Uh, oh, and I think this is the first scene where we meet Miles O'Brien, right? Uh, Con. Yeah, Con. He's the, the con. bad guy from Con Air. Yeah, he's in the Con position, and it sounds like they're just calling him by his real name, Calm. Yeah. Or they're referencing Con Air. Yeah. Con Air. It hadn't been made yet, but they they knew they knew it was going to happen. I think they made it. They just kept it on the shelf for a couple of decades. Yeah. And they, they almost uh, really finished. <laughs> yeah, they, they, they knew that um, that um, <laughs> uh, Nick Cage would be hard to get, so they yeah. they got him in early and just kind of then then they held on to the movie until uh, until his uh, he he was more of a box office draw. It was a really brilliant investment scheme, <laughs> kind of let, letting that that mature. Um, Okay, so they're they're in court. Uh, for some reason, he doesn't bring Miles O'Brien. <laughs> he just leaves him behind. Like, oh, he doesn't seem like a, a good enough character to bring to, bring to the the trial. They leave him alone on the battle bridge. Um, and then they do the trial. It's kind of a lot of uh, a lot of sort of demagoguing on both sides. Um, and then Yar. Uh, beats up one of those future guys with the drugs and she gets frozen um, fun fact not very fun fact but a fact uh, originally Troy was going to be frozen too oh yeah I, I bet she just didn't want to do that they so. probably just ran out of the the spray snow <laughs> snow spray <laughs> like, like we only have half a can left we could we could do her legs or her her and then she was like nah this is not that's not guys. Why do we need to do this twice? 
I suspect it was an actor's thing that she was like, no, yeah, happening. yeah. And she's a she's kind of, she's a she's 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 a very attractive, which I, the only reason it's worth pointing out is because like I remember this show basically watching this show as sort of a prepubescent boy. <laughs> so like I had no, so like I it didn't occur to me. Uh, mm -hmm. To be to to find these 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 hot ladies you know attractive but they're all you know real yeah. bombshells out there real dazzlers. <laughs> they're all working around in the micro skirts. Yeah. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean you know when you're a kid like all these all these ladies did they just like like you know like your mm -hmm. mom you know <laughs> like like mm -hmm. it's a but then it's like oh twenty years later. Yeah, I remember when I was watching. Um, I was a big fan of the A team. Uh, the first first half of the A team, they're just hanging out with uh, like Courtney Cox or something, <laughs> some girl like that. And super boring, and then finally they get to the part where they uh, like uh, build some supercar, and uh, <laughs> they always have to solve a problem by building a, a car out of other cars. Oh yeah, like a, a big car to uh, crash through the evil sheriff's compound or something like that. <laughs> There's, there's really no problem that can't be solved with a giant uh, custom car. <laughs> it's, it's pretty, it sounds like it's kind of the precursor to that uh, show, Pimp My Ride. Did you ever watch that? No. Do, sounds good. Do, probably do a Pimp My Ride podcast at some point. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so the, we, we, the, they start the trial. Uh, Picard, mm -hmm. ple uh, so Picard pleads not guilty. Which uh, really irritates Q, and um, he and then uh, and Picard admits that uh, Q is right about some stuff that human beings are savage, and um, basically tells Q to test them, and Q likes the idea, and so he leaves, and we. Basically, he's like, "All right, start your start. Let's start the episode." Uh, <laughs> and the reason it's like that is actually because the original um, draft of the script only had the Farpoint Station stuff and didn't have the Q stuff. And Q was actually added a late addition when they wanted to when the network wanted them to expand it, the premiere to two hours. Um, yeah. So he he was sort of an afterthought, but then he proved to be sort of like the one of the most pivotal characters in the in the series mm -hmm. it sets the tone for the whole series because arguably uh, all of the next generation is about proving the worth well the worthiness of humankind and yeah defending it against cynicism and those kind of things that's basically the main theme yeah it set up a, a series arc whereas without q it really would just would have been an episode you know it's, it would have been a, just a very isolated episode and yeah. I, I think i read that that's that's that was sort of one of the the criticisms of the first season was that it basically it was way too episodic like everything was way too self-contained there didn't seem to be any continuity and mm -hmm. um and th this is sort of an exception because i mean i guess later on we won't we won't see q until later on but like at least, at least this had this had some gravity to it, um, where it was connected to other other things. Um, so, 
this is where we meet um, the next scene. Uh, we get a, a very fun and very surprising uh, personal log from Commander William Riker. Personal log, Commander William Riker, started at 41153.7. USS Hood has dropped me off at Farpoint Station where I await the arrival of the new USS Enterprise to which I have been assigned the first officer. Meanwhile, I've been asked to visit the Farpoint Administrator's office in the old city. So mm -hmm. now we get Riker, no beard yet, naked face to Riker, baby face, baby face, with, baby face, Willie T, I mean Willie R. <laughs> yeah, Willie T. Riker, uh, and and he's in uh, Groppler Zorn's office. Yeah, this is my favorite uh, favorite scene. Of, I have a funny drop to play. I'll play it. Okay. Would you render us delicacy, Commander? Well, if there's an apple, I'm sorry, Commander. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. He's just so disappointed that he wasn't I'm able so to provide. <laughs> I. I have failed you. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he doesn't ask for much. Just an apple. Why? I mean, he has all this delicious fruit. Why Why is it not good enough for, for Riker? Why can't he just eat one of the bananas? Yeah. He's just a simple uh, simple guy. He likes that. How does the, how does the alien entity know how to how, know what fruit they have on Earth? Maybe it's telepathic and he reads uh, Riker's memories or something. Ah, good. That's that's but perfectly then viable. Then he does get an epic. Here's yeah. another funny trope. And it's delicious. Thank you. <laughs> is the... Uh... <laughs> Thank you. Is... I like the, the smacking in the beginning. Just the... And it's delicious. Thank you. <laughs> Riker eats with his mouth open. Uh, so, so we meet Groppler Zorn. Groppler is a, uh, actually a title. It's not his name. The Groppler mm -hmm. is like the, I guess the mayor. Or <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Groppler Groppler Zorn. I, I, he's a. I like Groppler Zorn. He's a. He's a funny character. Yeah. He's like. Good pretty good actor. Um, yeah. The the alien makeup is like it's good. It's like a little bit. Like, I don't know what kind of alien he is. He kind of reminds me of, like... Alien makeup. Yeah. He has makeup? I, I mean, it's not like... He doesn't have, like, prosthetics or anything, but he's... he's. I mean, he just looks like an old man, I guess, but he he doesn't really look human. He looks like the like the hunchback from the Rocky Horror Picture Show or something like that. Like, like a... Like, kind of spooky. Um. So, yeah, Riker... Riker takes some fruit. He he get so it, which mysteriously appears. Riker notices this, mm -hmm. and it's been a theme um, that he's been noticing. He's getting everything he wants, and um, I think it's. I mean, he should have just attributed it to be, him being handsome. You know, this is just what handsome people get in life. You know, <laughs> <laughs> handsome men get what handsome men want. Mm, he looks better with a beard. Yeah. Looks yeah, almost uh, pornographic without it. Yeah, it's, it's like a, it's probably indecent. blurred, like a Japanese porno. Just blurred. Yeah, should, that'd be actually a pretty funny, funny edit. <laughs> but and I, I bet you like it when people give you funny edit ideas. Like Riker yeah. shaves his beard, and for some reason it's pixelated from there on out because, like, <laughs> just during the day when children are watching television, they should uh, pixelate it, and then at night you can watch it without. I bet in like in the in 
in the future they could do like a like a mobile like hologram where like the the start the ship could just generate pixels in front of his face all the time and maybe maybe Picard w would want that because he thinks that Riker looks indecent without the beard. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how you would get these the right scenes to put this together. That's probably the hard part. <laughs> uh, maybe somebody listening can put this together. One of our many many fans in the in the in the audience. Uh, so uh, Riker meets up with um, Bev Beverly Crusher and her uh, delightful sp sprightly young lad son Wesley um, who's eagerly anticipating joining the Enterprise they're, they're shopping and this is one of the, the 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 funny moments where it seems that they they have money because she's buying a big bolt of this purple fabric which she wishes had some gold patterns on it and then it does and then she's like I'll take a hundred space bucks worth <laughs> charge it to my account I'm Dr. Crusher yeah um, so the cards account. <laughs> Charge this to Jean Luc Picard. <laughs> Do you know that she was a? Um, she worked for a Jim Henson company before. No, I didn't. She was a Muppet choreographer or something. Yeah, I knew she was a choreographer and 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 like a, a very accomplished like dancer too, right? I think she worked with Muppets for. Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe. I mean, she probably did, but like I would think if you're or choreographer for puppets you also probably have to be good at like just choreography in general which yeah. probably because there's that scene later on where she's like tap dancing with data i, right. I think that's why they did that scene because like she's like kind of she i like i she, i think she still does it i think she's like a really big deal choreographer um, oh, really? yeah i i i haven't done any research on this lately so i <laughs> So I might be making this up, but that's what makes for I a could good... try to look it up now, but if no. you start typing on the keyboard, then a hundred samples will start to play from Star Trek. That would be good. But I think just sort of baseless speculation is what any every good yeah. podcast is built on. It's like the, 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 the backbone of a good podcast. Me just making a claim and then moving on. She used to be a Muppet. That's, that's yeah, she's crazy. well she's half Muppet. She's a Muppet, and then she became a real uh, woman. And yeah. She became an actress. That's how that happened. Uh, through a magic wizard spell. Yeah. Um, Wesley reveals to us some some key backstory that Riker that uh, about uh, Jean Luc Picard. Picard brought uh, Wesley's father's body back to them. Mm -hmm. I don't, they don't really elaborate it. it. It could even be that Picard killed the guy. I don't know. It would be funny if. Uh... He was just not dead. He was just really drunk. Yeah. It brought his body back. Like, yeah, he's really wasted. Yeah. He, my father uh, was a bit of a drinker. He, <laughs> this is Wesley. And, uh, and uh, Picard uh, bailed him out of the drunk tank more than once. <laughs> he, he later died of cirrhosis. Uh, and then, ooh, we also meet in the very next scene... Lieutenant Jordy LaForge, my yeah. favorite, my favorite character, I think. <laughs> Everybody's favorite character. <laughs> I think he's my fave. So he, oh, here it is. It's the, so Jordy reports to Riker that the star drive section has arrived. 
It's the star drive oh, section. That's what it's called. There's the saucer sec sep section, which seps. It's done in the star drive. Why don't we just call it the star drive sec? Sec, yeah. And the saucer sec. I think Picard would approve. What about we could do sauce sec and star stardry sec. Yep. This, this is stupid. This isn't going anywhere. Um, and they uh, and uh, LaForge tells Riker that uh, basically he's been summoned. So Riker beams aboard the Enterprise for the very first time. So and Picard is like really icy with him. Yeah. I don't know if you remember. Like he's like he kind of blanks him a little bit. Uh, mm -hmm. like whatever, like leave me alone kind of thing. Then he uh, he orders Riker to do this manual docking of yeah. the star drive, star drive and saucer sections, which is apparently yeah. difficult to do. And it seems very dangerous. And uh, if he screws it up, they already destroy their ship immediately. Yeah. It's like a really risky 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 stunt. Um, yeah. But it's clearly like hazing. Like he's hazing. Uh, Riker to like prove his prove his his metal or worth. Um, Even though they they probably have a, a good pilot. I mean, Riker yeah. never has to pilot the ship after that, right? <laughs> yeah, it's not really his job. Unnecessary. Well, you know, I mean, like the conductor of the orchestra has to know how to play all the instruments, like at least a little bit. Uh, yeah. So I think yeah. the captain or the the first officer, who's like the vice vice captain right like the the understudy uh he has to be able to fly the ship and like repair the replicators and... he has to make a mean cup of tea <laughs> yeah that's probably his first priority he has to know not only how to replicate the tea but like how long to steep the tea in yeah, like yeah. if it's if he has how to, long do to it. keep the tea back in and uh, yeah do you need to use sugar those kind of things. He has it's to do important. be able to do digital and analog tea. I wonder if digital tea tastes different. It probably tastes uh, similar B to pixely. like like a compressed like MP3. <laughs> like, like you don't get all the uh, the subtle notes that you get. <laughs> you get an approximation. So Riker beams aboard, and Picard kind of tests him, and he's got, he's pretty rude to him. Mm -hmm. Um, Picard then kind of after after uh, Riker proves himself with his docking technique, Picard kind of opens up to Riker and is like, "You're yeah, welcome aboard." Yeah, yeah, I was just kind of messing with you back there. Sorry, sorry, buddy. Uh, and then he's like immediately like, um, "Can you help me be less like awkward with children?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's one of his character traits. Yeah. <laughs> He doesn't like, like children. Yeah, and they, they they set that up like really really hard right here. Like he's he he tells Riker that he's uncomfortable with with kids, and mm. he wants he orders Riker to like help uh, Picard um, be like genial and um, and kind genial. with children. Yes. Um, by the way, Riker actually passes another test before he ducks the, uh, Picard asks him if he wants some coffee <laughs> I think if Riker would have said yes I love coffee he would have been get off my ship yeah 
Well, yes, Captain. Only that, tea is drunk here. That's what. That's how I keep my chest so hairy. Drinking big, <laughs> big hot cups of black coffee. Go find Janeway then. <laughs> the, well, there's there's another test too where uh, Picard grills Riker about um, why he he disobeyed an order with his uh, his his previous captain, um, Captain Robert DeSoto. Um, he didn't want to risk his captain's life, apparently. Yeah. That's very important for Riker. Yeah, and it was he like... He can send everybody else to their death, that's fine, but not the captain. Not the captain. Point of pride for him. Yeah. But he's yeah. also... Uh, it's also just, like, hardcore brown-nosing he's doing, basically. Yeah, like, yeah. like I would literally do anything for you captain and and i mean anything wink <laughs> wink <laughs> nudge nudge mm-hmm. so in this in this future do you think that like they don't really get into like um i want to say like sexual politics very much but like yeah like i don't know what the what the taboos are but if like w- if captain picard ordered riker to like do some something like sexual would he have to do it? Like tea begging? Yeah, then that orders are orders, I guess. Like unless it harms unless it like puts Picard in harm's way. It's really dangerous, like autoerotic fixation asphyxiation. He's like, No captain. Yeah. Please. No. It's dangerous. No like serious bondage. Maybe some yeah. light, some spanking and tickling. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I mean, like in today's world, that would be like sexual harassment, but we don't. Maybe they're like really like they're liberated, yeah. and like he maybe he could refuse it, but he probably wouldn't. Yeah, because yeah. like he's, I damn it, I have respect for the man. <laughs> yep. Uh, so in the same scene, we cut to data giving a tour uh, to a very special guest. McCoy. McCoy. Admiral Both McCoy. So. He looks so old. I'm, I'm actually not really sure if he's genuinely super old or this, if that's makeup. Yeah, oh, this, a little bit of both. Yeah. So how old was that guy when he shot that episode? I think he he's pretty old, old. But they he's like really old, but then they also put extra old man makeup on him because he's like 137 in yeah. the, in the episode. Which he's it's like, pretty convincing. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. You don't often see like really old people that are like already old with extra old makeup yeah. on. So it's a, it was a did spooky. You, did you watch uh, Prometheus? Yeah, I did. Yeah, that's very strange for me. They use a young actor and they turn him into this super old guy. Yeah, it was... It, it was a bit strange. I mean, the rest of the movie made perfect sense. Except that part. Yeah, I forget why they did that was there a flashback where he was young no <laughs> no maybe no, they were no, setting it no up reason. for like a, a a prequel or something where they could yeah, return uh, to that maybe. character uh but that yeah sense. it was an odd choice yeah. yeah and it's like i mean guy pierce is a pretty good actor i don't know if it's like you 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 want to bend over that far backwards to get guy pierce in a role where it's like oh you will add 100 years to your age yeah. i mean you could i mean there are a lot of like really talented like older actors because they've been acting for like 50 years you, you think you could have gotten yeah. one of them 
Yeah. I could do a whole podcast about that movie, by the way. It's a fascinating movie. Yeah, I actually am. Yeah. A kind of evil data character in it. Yeah. And, uh, and the spaceship, the alien spaceship, the Giger spaceship is apparently controlled by playing a flute. I thought that was also pretty funny. Yeah, I haven't seen it since it was out in the theater. I actually remembered, um, I mean, there's there's some big problems with it that people yeah. uh, love to point out, but I, I actually enjoyed, uh, I mm -hmm. think I enjoyed it more than most people did just because... Yeah, um, yeah, me too. I enjoyed it a lot. I, yeah. I think it had a lot of the, the same DNA as like, you know, really, you know, classic like 80s kind of yes. sci-fi and body horror stuff that yep. like people took too seriously by today's standards where everything has to be like totally realistic and ex perfectly well explained and consistent. Mm -hmm. um, but like the stuff yeah. like the, 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 the alien creature the being delivered mm -hmm. in, in that pod was like really, yeah. was really scary and good. Um, so the, the McCoy scene is, uh, I, I kind of feel like a, it's pretty hammy, but they had to do it because it was like the new series, the passing of the torch. So uh, the next scene, Q appears again on the <laughs> on the view screen on the bridge, and uh, and and Worf Worf immediately like, points his phaser at the, at the view screen, <laughs> and Picard like makes fun of <laughs> makes fun of him. What does he say? Yeah. Um, uh, because aliens are very dumb. So. Yeah, he's like they do that kind of stuff. He's just a stupid Klingon. Um, <laughs> Picard, Picard points out that he would be shoot just shooting the view screen, and Gorf's just like sort of embarrassed. Mm. And I and Q just sort of reminds them, kind of checks in. So he just kind of checks in. It's kind of a useless scene. Uh, he's like, yep, this is still happening. Um, <laughs> Some filler material. Yeah. And then we get a scene in the ready room. Um, after a uh, personal log from Picard, uh, uh, which says, of the 24 hours Q allotted to us to prove ourselves, 11 have now passed without incident, yet I cannot forget Q's prediction that we will face some critical test. Um. <laughs> Actually, uh, not to go too far on another tangent, but uh, I watched an episode of Voyager. Right, yes. Anyway, we, we, we tried to watch it, uh, me and my wife, and uh, I thought, yeah, it's, uh, it's also Star Trek. Yeah. Could be funny. <laughs> <laughs> and after like five minutes, she, she asked me to turn it off. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's so bad. It's, it's really bad. Good. Even though it was also with Q, so John Delancey's in it, but mm -hmm. all those all those other actors are really—they're um, just like caricatures. Yeah, yeah, I never got into no, uh, Voyager. Uh, funny enough, her her comment was that uh, Janeway's hair wasn't uh, wasn't a good haircut, and uh, the clothing looked uh, ill-fitting and stuff. <laughs> Janeway actually has made a bit of a comeback in. Um, <laughs> In that new, the new, uh, the it's not new anymore, but the the orange is the new black, the uh, oh, Netflix okay. series. She's she's one of the. Uh, I don't watch it, but I know she plays one of the prisoners. Um, Interesting. But she also actually recently had a little bit of a controversy because she did a um, she did like a a video, um, you know, like a paid gig, like narrating a video for some organization, 
that got mm-hmm. like released on Netflix on YouTube or something. Uh, it turned out that like the video was for like this like bizarre like flat Earth society that was like, <laughs> no. like, genuinely arguing that the that the Earth is flat and like the moon landing was a hoax and like. Okay. <laughs> And, and they get Captain Janeway of all people. Yeah. And she just like, I don't think, That's I mean, weird. she doesn't like believe it in or anything, but she just kind of like took a job. She needed and the money. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think she knew what she was doing. Interesting. And I don't think it was obvious even from what the stuff that they were making her say. That yeah. that's what it was, but then it that's like what it turned out to be. It was kind of embarrassing. <laughs> no. That's terrible. I guess at least it wasn't like like a racist thing or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> I know that um, David Lynch also did something like that. Did you see that? No. And that was really for like a pro Adolf Hitler uh, organization or something oh, like that in Germany. Like he um, he was on stage with these like neo Nazis or something. I think and he didn't know, of course. It's really embarrassing. He's just very naive, I think, David Lynch. And they were just talking in German, and he was like, "Yeah, yes, these are really <laughs> nice people. I really uh, I encourage this cause." And <laughs> yeah. Thanks for having me, guys. Uh, boy. <laughs> and then uh, afterwards, the press was all like, "So you you support uh, uh, I don't know cloning Hitler or whatever it was." Uh, what? <laughs> what? What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he hasn't done a movie in a long time. That David Lynch. Yeah, it's a pity. I, I loved his uh, his most recent movies. I I never saw the um, what it was Inland Empire. You didn't see it? No. Oh, it was great. It That's was good. really um. I think it's probably my favorite David Lynch movie. It's hard to get. I don't like. I wasn't in yeah. theaters or anything. It's probably online right. somewhere, but uh, it was like a direct-to-video thing. And I think you had to like. I think you had to be like Maybe. a subscriber. Not in Europe. It was a direct to uh, movie theaters and much acclaim from. Uh, he's. I, mean, <laughs> I think he's, uh, he's those kind more... of directors maybe are more popular here than in America. Yeah, I think he's more generally more respected in mm-hmm. uh, in Europe. That's right. Um, he gets a lot, I know he's gotten a lot of like uh, French cinema prizes. Mm-hmm. He's he's got a bit. No, they they played a, uh, they played in an empire for a long time. May, it could be that they played it here, and I just don't know. <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I didn't. It was pretty good. Was but, really good. Um, his uh, his his daughter actually, I think, directed um, a recent episode of The Walking Dead, which is oh, really? actually a pretty pretty good gig for her. It's it's pretty it's pretty yeah. much the most popular show on tv right now are uh, they still bringing back uh twin peaks that's the word on the street mm, cool it's just coming to showtime though and i don't think i have showtime so <laughs> i don't know when i'm gonna get to see it i'm i'm sort of expecting it to not be very good uh but uh, I don't know. as long as uh as long as the music is a typical David Lynch, you can just put that music on any footage and it's, it will be amazing. It's true. It's really, you might you have to just, slow that, it. Basically, that's what Inland Empire is. That proves that theory. He just, without a script, just shoots some really yeah. just like pretty ugly looking footage, but just like a somehow lot of, it's amazing. Just like a lot of, lot of, like a lot of just like a lot of like bass and cymbals. Yeah. Like, doom. Just like a guy getting the mail. Oh, we could just do a podcast with <laughs> Very old Hollywood. 24-7. Yeah. 
Uh, so this is this this scene. We also get the first sort of uh, love struck encounter between Troy and Riker. Her uh, thanks. She's like, thanks for getting us back on. The <laughs> she, she's she sees Riker. She's like Imzadi. Which uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is uh, they're really they're really um, hammering on all those um, character traits in the first episode. Yeah, they really have to know all their backstories and so on. It's actually pretty then, impressive because usually characters don't get very well fleshed out until like you know a couple of seasons go by, and right. it seems like they were actually pretty pretty locked in. All these had all these mm. different. Um, character traits pretty well locked yeah. in right here in the very first episode. Yeah, yeah that's true. Uh, so they go down to the planet and they kind of grill um, Zorn, oh, and yeah. he's he's concerned about Troy being there because she's she he thinks she might be psychic because she's a Betazoid, but she's like, I assure you, I'm only an empath. I can sense emotions, and they so they set up that. Um, premise pretty well uh mm -hmm. and there's a funny line too where they're sort of doing some negotiating around the the um you know the federation using the the, the plans for the farpoint station and yeah. um he kind of threatens to to go do business with the ferengi instead and um picard's like fine let's hope they find you as tasty as they did their their past associates yeah, that's weird. Do they do they eat people? Well, so there's a little bit of backstory here because the Ferengi were actually in the early going supposed to be sort of the primary antagonists in oh, Star Trek: The Next Generation, uh, but nobody could take them seriously because they look so stupid, ridiculous. So they like they basically they like so. Um, they implied very heavily that the Ferengi were like uh, were eight, eight other people. Like they ate, eight. <laughs> I, I don't want to say they're cannibals, okay. but they ate That's like weird. Federation people, which they sort of um, retconned out of the show later because it didn't make any sense. Like <laughs> it's another one of those things where it's That's like funny. if they are advanced enough to have warp technology, they're probably not going to be like these like mm. gross cannibal creatures um yeah. but basically the the the, the Ferengi just didn't test very well so they sort of got um, <laughs> pushed aside after the first after the first few episodes yeah. or maybe season or two as <laughs> not 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 really being the, the primary antagonist but mm -hmm. sort of like a a, a goofy joke species yeah. i actually have uh, an edit an old edit that i never finished but uh it's like um, with some footage from uh, Deep Space Nine with Ferengis. And the only thing I did was uh, I, I pixelated their ears <laughs> <laughs> because they're obscene. So. Yeah, the, and the then I, I put like... some like um, uh, some porno music on it, like, you know, that yeah, kind so of the stuff. ears are like, like their, their private part. Like it's, really, it's really dirty uh, footage. Another, another thing about the Ferengi is that they're, like misogynists and, they, oh, yeah, yeah. and they, they, they find women, the idea of women wearing clothes to be obscene. Um, and I think this is sort of like, uh, they, they sort of were trying to invert, um, like Islam, like, which is a little bit <laughs> offensive. I mean, probably very offensive if, if it's true, but like 
pretty much like so they're, they're, they they i think they kind of set them up as these sort of like nomadic desert mm. trader type people who have Sounds these misogy- misogynist views but like oh instead of having to wear like a full burqa or um yeah, veil they wear nothing <laughs> and it's that's their cult that's their backwards culture um, <laughs> uh, so it's more, funny that the it's always that the humans are so great and the aliens are just really backwards. And yeah. That's, and, uh, and like the humans, again, only have one culture and aliens. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the hum- humans, sorry, have, have many different cultures, but aliens always just have one. Yeah. They have one, one clothing store as mm-hmm. well where they get everything. Yeah. That's good. So good this, the next scene, we get uh, Riker finding data in the holodeck. Uh, I guess. For some reason, um, so this is our first introduction to the holodeck. Data's set up this like lush jungle, or maybe it was a just a forest, and he's just uh, trying to whistle uh, "Pop Goes the Weasel" for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> and, just uh, the the nearest forest near the soundstage where mm-hmm. they shoot it, probably. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it's like a short short drive from the studio. Riker and Wesley going to look for data. Mm. Um, and they find him and they sort of set up, they explain the whole holodeck and how it works and how it kind of shifts around. I still, I'm not mm. totally sure how they don't end up walking into walls. I think yeah. they don't explain that very well. I think, I think they probably like um, use some kind of force field, like a, you know, a treadmill that you're walking on in the gym, but it's like an invisible kind of force field, so that yeah. you're just walking in place. Yeah, that's that's a smart, a smart solution. I think, I think that's probably what it is. And the thing I don't really get is, is the holodeck locked? Because no, you can just stroll <laughs> anybody's holodeck at any time. Realistically speaking, if we had a holodeck, I would lock it. <laughs> Yeah, once you get in there, I would run. I would run some pretty fiendish programs. Yeah, you wouldn't want anybody to walk in on what, what's going on uh, at, in the average holodeck session. Um, but no, the holodeck politics are very ill, ill-defined. It seems like it's but never they're, really. They're also use. they're very boring people, so they just emulate like a, a forest or something like that. Or yeah, like Picard will. His favorite program is just like to play. Uh, Racquetball or something. Stupid. Like, I think <laughs> he could I think, just do that in his room, but he, he uses the immense power needed for the holodeck for to generate just like those lines on the floor. The only explanation to me is that maybe maybe only like the senior staff are allowed to use it because uh, okay. you would think there'd always be like a like an ensign in there just messing around oh, yeah. instead of doing their like whatever they do experiments. Yeah. But it seems like you can just walk in at any time, and nobody's ever using it unless it's you know one of the principal characters playing yeah. Sherlock Holmes. Because like Jordy does have like a date in the holodeck, <laughs> so but at, at any point you know Wesley Crusher can just come walking in or yeah. ruin his date. I, I feel like this is again this is they have different different you know kind of social sexual norms, and he just wouldn't mind that yeah. much. Like oh. Oh hey, oh hey, oh hey, uh, oh hey, Wesley! Uh, I'm just making love to this beautiful woman here. Yeah, can what, you, what, uh, how can I help you? Things? 
You can stay and watch. It's fine. We're almost done. <laughs> I'm about to climax. I'm, I'm sure that's what Gene Roddenberry would have wanted. I see. The thing is, like, I just don't think he thought about it very well. You know, it's like a, it's just like a, it's it basically it's this very convenient plot generator, but it's like just so poorly thought through that none of the real world implications are even remotely hinted at. Like. People living in there forever, or people always being like lining up for it and wanting to use mm -hmm. it because it's much better than being in a stupid spaceship and doing boring mm -hmm. spaceship duties. So, an away team, uh, if you'll recall, was beamed down to uh, check things out because everybody was pretty suspicious mm -hmm. of Zorn. And they kind of end up like underneath the city in these weird corridors. And Troy is sensing all this pain and stuff. And um, and then the the old city outside of the uh, mm -hmm. the station starts getting attacked yeah. um, by this mysterious uh, craft, which is enormous and much larger than the uh, the Enterprise. Mm -hmm. um, and they beam over to the through the craft and find that it's uh, strikingly similar to these. Uh, these corridors beneath the uh, beneath far, far point station, and they start to kind of you know figure stuff out. It's like mm -hmm. the far, far point station's an alien. So thing, the other, other thing's an alien. <laughs> yeah, which one did they, they figure yeah. that out? There are a lot of those uh, space um, space dwelling aliens in Star Trek. I think that's probably the most uh, the most unrealistic part of it. Yeah, is it? Seems that uh, if you listen to like um, Neil deGrasse Tyson and so on, it seems to be some consensus that if there is alien life, it's it's actually not that um, not as unlikely as we would have thought before that they're kind of just very similar to what you see yeah. on Earth. Like that, there's basically just one way that life can evolve. It's just a carbon-based, and most life uses lights, sensors, as eyes. Yeah, and so on and so on. Well, it will probably not be that. It won't be like a space uh, squid or a, a space fish. The other thing too is that there's or this, a crystalline entity. Yeah, but, but there's also like this idea of the the Fermi paradox. Are you familiar with yeah. that? Basically, it states that <laughs> it seems um, sort of statistically likely that there that the universe would be teeming with life because mm -hmm. there are just so many stars. Yeah. You know, innumerable. Uh, and the paradox is that even though that, in spite of that statistical likelihood, that we, that it mm -hmm. seems that we are not able to find any evidence of life mm -hmm. outside of ourselves. Um, and there are a lot of kind of theories about what would explain that paradox. And one is that basically mm -hmm. uh, everything's too far apart, and it's just never going to be possible to. Yeah, it's too big. Cover those distances. <laughs> And there's like, so, and the other consideration is the, the amount of time, yeah. um, it, it required to kind of form intelligent life. There's no guarantee that at any given point in time, there would be, m you know, more than one intelligent species, species within, right. within, yeah. a, you know, a period of, of a bit of, you know, 500 million years or something like that, or a billion years, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. So I also seem... read another interesting theory about it uh, recently is that we are actually very early, like uh, 
we uh, we're probably some of the first uh, places where that happens. Yeah. Because uh, the rest of those planets uh, or the rest of the universe actually is still, <laughs> in terms of the universe, quite young. Yeah. And uh, it might be very well be like in all those one of those typical tropes is that uh, they find like some old like ancient civilization and and so on that is long gone and uh, it might very well be that we're one of those kind of ancient yeah. <laughs> civilizations. Like, I uh, think on the on the, in the time scale of the universe, mm-hmm. um, I forget how long it's going to be until. <laughs> the universe ends but i know i know we, we have that date in mind it's like i'm not worried about it <laughs> it's like the heat death of the universe is like a trillion years from now or something like that mm. but it's the universe is is not that old in terms of the i th- I feel like they say the universe is something like eight billion years old or maybe maybe 12 yeah. and life came life came to be on planet earth maybe four billion years ago mm-hmm. um so in that in that regard it does sound like it's we could be we could pretty, be pretty early in the process but yeah. um, it's possible that several billions of years later life will be uh, teeming everywhere in the universe just like in uh, star trek but we're yeah. just too early for that yeah but that's... Another, another funny another funny bit of trivia mm-hmm. or whatever funny fact about space travel is that even if you're traveling uh, like almost at the speed of light Unless you're really close to something like Earth or the Sun, then you won't even see any movement. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> because it's so big, like you won't even see the stars move at all. It's all just be like you're standing still. Yeah, this whole yeah. The, the sort of view out the window of the it's not like starting that everything's whizzing by. Yeah, it's, it's a little <laughs> bit unrealistic. It's like how fast yeah. must they be moving for all these like that they're you know they're moving. They must be moving like millions of light years per second to be seeing all these yeah. stars move past. Yeah. But and I know that they're using a technology that sort of creates wormholes, right? Like not maybe not explicitly yeah. like that, but there's some. It's it's not that they're traveling fast; it's that they're sort of bending space. Yeah. yeah and if exactly. that's if that's what's happening, um, I would still think it wouldn't necessarily look like. The stars are going by like you're driving down the highway, watching like uh, yeah. like trees go by. <laughs> it's, it's like it would, I would think it would look a little bit different, or maybe just be black. It would still take super long. Yeah, you have to go. You would like, never meet anybody. <laughs> yeah, even at the speed of light, like you, which is impossible to attain. We think mm-hmm. it, it would take really long time to get anywhere interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, oh, some well. some science. I mean, I'm sure anybody listening that knows. A real real scientists bit. listening to this are grinding <laughs> they're, their they're teeth. They're probably just like, ah, Breaking pencils. God, so stupid. God. <laughs> Why would they talk about something they have so little real understanding of? Mm. Oh, well, screw you guys. I've seen, I've seen Cosmos. Yeah. Well, uh, then they should be our guest if they want to uh, prove us wrong. Or, yeah. Till then, we're just going to spout nonsense. Yeah. Oh, Neil deGrasse Tyson, uh, call us. <laughs> yeah, Neil. Come on. 1-800-TRUDGE. Uh, put, put, put your blower. 1-900-TRUDGE. 99 cents a minute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess pay that first. Put your money where your mouth is, pal. Yeah. yeah. What else is he doing anyway? Uh, 
uh, just like in his pajamas on his couch all day, just eating eating yeah. Doritos. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they um, the there's an attack on the old Bandy City, as they call it. They say that, and it's like I, I feel like that wasn't very well introduced. Like, I, I guess the band the bond is it the Bondi or the band Bondi? That's the the species <laughs> that live on um, this planet, and um, that's their old city that they they had before they built Farpoint Station. I don't think that's ever explained really. I mean, no, is that where they are when uh, Crusher is buying uh, buying her uh, cloth or something? Is that Bandy City? I don't mean probably. Yeah, I just I don't think it was set up very well. No. Sort of like they're just on a planet, and mm. whatever happens, you just have to kind of like, all right, some sci-fi stuff is going down. I'm just gonna sit yeah. back and check it out. Yeah, it's funny. Have you have you seen any of the Blu-ray uh, track releases? They're pretty uh, pretty good, but um, the effects suffer a little bit sometimes. Oh really? Like in like this in case, there's the old bandy city like on vhs looks pretty believable when you see yeah. white shots it's like some tiny houses if you see the really crisp blu-ray shot it just looks really fake like, yeah that's <laughs> just some sand with some little fake houses put in it yeah there are some ways that high definition has set back some yeah. things that used to be pretty straightforward <laughs> like if you ever like watch like a news show or something and hd and they have like a guest on it's like just like an old person and they have to like coat makeup on them you can just see every like every inch of makeup they have to put on them like in every crease and wrinkle on their face and it's like there's nothing they can do about it other than maybe putting yeah. a mask on the person but they just have to kind of roll with it. <laughs> just put this mask on. <laughs> too ugly. or like or like adding like a fuzzy fuzzy filter to the um just pixelate their face <laughs> <laughs> this, this doesn't I'm look sorry, good on you're TV. A bit too obscene like i know you wrote this like really good book on um you know politics <laughs> in the middle east but geez like you've got like really bad crow's feet <laughs> you probably don't know what crow's feet are <laughs> that's uh that's it it's a i think it's a what is it an idiom it's 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 they're the wrinkles that happen around the corner of the eyes. Okay. All right. Sorry. All right. So I, I, have to, I have to I have to factor in the um the yeah uh, yeah. <laughs> I only know what you're talking about about half the time. Sorry, right. so. sorry. Right. It's not that good. It's not interesting stuff anyway. <laughs> it's fine. Um. It's so Q tries to goad Picard into shooting the. The other creature and it seems that this has been the test all along whether or not um basically they would figure out you know who the good guys and who the bad guys are here like are they going to start like shooting this creature that's only trying to save this other creature from these space assholes yeah. you know and this seems like really short-sighted to me like of q like he didn't it's this seems like an obvious thing that they wouldn't wouldn't fall for this but he it seems like he really thought they were going to fall for it like and i think most of the points he made about like humanity were pretty spot on but i mean it's pretty clear that they're in a they're in a better place now and they you know they're not going to start just blasting away for no reason yeah. you know 
Maybe Q just spends all day visiting those kind of spaceships, and he's usually just hanging out with uh, Klingons and Ferengi, <laughs> dumb, dumb aliens who are like, "Yes, let's shoot it." Yeah, and that, yeah. why doesn't Q like put the, the Klingons on trial? They're clearly yeah. still very warlike, and he's like, "They're fine. Yeah. They're just like primitive creatures that happen <laughs> to have spaceships. The humans are are you know, he's got like yeah. higher standards for humans for some reason." Yeah, he's also on uh, on Voyager a lot. I think they were trying to just get everything that fans like, like the Borg and Q. They like that. Let's put more of that in and try and make it good. Yeah, the, but, I remember the the um, Seven of Nine and the Borg were a, a late addition. They were like season two or three, and yeah. it was because, you know, the ratings were not great and it wasn't a great yeah. show. And they were just yeah. like, okay, we got to make this more Star Trek, Star Trek-y. Uh-huh. So. Yeah, but uh, it's funny, like, Q also tries to uh, act the same way around uh, Janeway as he does around Picard, and yeah, it like, just uh, doesn't work. Why? Well, like, why doesn't, why doesn't he just get over this? Like, th- this is all he has to do? Just <laughs> bug these, these humans? All he does all day. Yeah. I'm not buying it. Not it would be it, actually guys. pretty funny to do a show where Q just bothers other aliens all day, like he's visiting these Klingons and putting them on trial and Ferengi and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So is Q, I mean, like, is the answer here that Q just was wrong? Are we supposed to think that he was wrong or just that, like, he was outsmarted in this case? Yeah, like, I know I, he's not very smart. Because, like, like it, it does seem like he's kind of a dumbass for being, yeah. like, omniscient or whatever he's supposed to be. Mm. Yeah. Seems he can't, he can't really read their mind, or can he? Well, that's the thing. Oh. It seems like he didn't really, like, he didn't predict this. I think it would have been easy to predict what happened here. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was maybe less powerful than than maybe they he, he presented himself as. Yeah. So we're, we're almost done. Um, basically, wow. they... Yeah, they blast. Uh, they blast the the the, ba- the bandy city gets blasted up, and they they like they don't they don't they opt not to shoot the alien, and it's it's the the ship is like the thing that they think is a ship, which is actually an alien, is like five times as big as their ship. So yeah. even Makes even if they did think it was like really malevolent, they probably wouldn't have done it anyway because it's they wouldn't have been able to hurt it. Um, yeah, yeah. But they figure stuff out. They figure out that the whole thing, the whole deal, is that the the Farpoint Station is actually one of these aliens. They and then um, they they shoot like a an energy enriched beam to feed it to bring it back to life, and yeah. um, and it it floats up, and we see some really pretty good um, industrial light and magic special <laughs> effects. With these space yeah. uh, jellyfish, <laughs> and they, I think they probably looked better in HD. Did you see? Did you see these in HD? Um, I saw some uh, comparison shots uh, on H in HD. Yeah, I have I some of them in too. HD, but I only download what I uh, need. Yeah, yeah, I, I saw this. I think I saw the big. same shots, and they look actually pretty good in like as yeah, they yeah. were intended to be seen, but the. Uh, oh, it, it looks beautiful. Looked really, really bad. Like it was like super fuzzy, and you could there was sort of vaguely mm-hmm. 
shaped like jellyfish, but you couldn't tell what was really going on. Yeah. No, the the Blu-rays, uh, I would like to buy them. They're actually not that expensive. They look really nice. Maybe um, can't you put a like a wish list on your Patreon where people that mm-hmm. could just buy you stuff. I wish I just if I wish anybody up. liked me enough to send me money. Mm-hmm. Well, last month uh, or last time I did an edit, it wasn't so uh, so good. Uh, I thought just, it, was... it really depends. Was the last one? Was that the Riker one? Floating Danger Two, where Picard is floating. Oh yeah, I I I thought that was a good one, but maybe it just it yeah. wasn't like the commercial enough. You know, it was like too too artsy. Like that was. No, your, it's like... good. It's it's just uh, it's still too much like what I used to make. I really want to make more interesting stuff now. Like this, the one, the last one is more like what I really want to make. Yeah. Well, the, yeah, I think it was. Yeah. I think it was really good. It's a good direction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because like, it, it, really it relied less bizarre. on the existing footage and more on you were able to tell yeah. kind of a, a brand new story within <laughs> within yeah, that yeah. universe. Um, yeah. And it wasn't just like obvious that like oh this is just i mean i'm not disparaging any of your edits they're all mm-hmm. good but it wasn't mm-hmm. just like oh this i happen to have this reaction from uh jordy that i can play here and it makes yeah. it seem like like this is happening it was more like uh, you're telling this uh, the, the the less dialogue you have actually the more impressive yeah. it is because you're, you're yeah, telling the story that is actually i was trying very much to follow uh, andrew's idea he wanted to have a Riker come in and uh, give a whole speech to uh, Picard about ethics or whatever, <laughs> which is a very funny idea while he's like crashing through those speakers. <laughs> but whenever Riker is um, talking, you know, passionately about something, he's just standing perfectly still. Oh. So I literally found the only clip, the only shot of Riker moving in the red room besides walking in and out of the door. And I had to flip it digitally so he can walk in two directions. But uh, that's like the only walking in the red room by Riker in 170 hours of Star Trek. That's funny. It's, uh, us uh, us casuals uh, that aren't having to uh, you re-edit any of this footage would never notice something like that. Because <laughs> like no, it's the kind of thing guess? where you make assumptions about, mm-hmm. uh, about what's there and then you go and look yeah. and it's not there. Can you guess how many uh, episodes I used the footage from? In the latest edit? In the latest edit, which is only a minute or something. Long. I'm going to guess four. 18. Ooh, holy yeah. cow. I, I actually had to count it because uh, the guy from um, Huffington Post was emailing me about it. And I actually, he asked how many, uh, and I had to count <laughs> it in my editing software. And it's like, wow. Oh, yeah. Did you, do that, did you do that interview yet? Uh, yeah, I'm, uh, I I just want to uh, give him some screenshots of my uh, um, 3D uh, software and stuff to show That's the cool. behind-the-scenes stuff. That's but cool. I did answer the question. I did uh, plug your uh, your podcast. Oh, thank so. you. Uh, of course. I'd say, I mean, in this case, it's uh, our our podcast. I mean, this one's oh, thank just, you. just as nice. much yours. Mm. So, yeah, the no, the latest, your latest edit is great. I think uh, I, I'm, mm. I'm interested to see more... Uh, yeah, and I'm very excited about doing a Elf Voyager uh, crossover. Yeah, so he had an idea for it. Yeah, so that's uh, yeah for the listeners. This is this is the a sneak peek 
on a on a new idea. Uh, do you want to do you want to talk about it a little bit, like what the what the like the concept is? Mm, I don't know that I should. I'm I'm making it sort of together with the patrons who are paying five dollars okay. or more. Well, we won't. We I don't won't want to spoil it too much. But the high the the bullet point is Alf Voyager. Yeah, that's good enough. Okay. <laughs> So and you're can... finally going to see Elf's spaceship. Oh, good. Yeah, this Which, is. Uh, uh, I I tried I'm to find to some uh, some footage of Elf's spaceship, and it turns out not to exist. It's funny. It's uh, difficult difficult to find a good way to uh, communicate with the patrons. But uh, getting a little bit more reaction now. But I think they want to. Uh, they really like to vote. Like, mm -hmm. if I just ask them for like just suggestions and and stuff like that, they're a bit too. Uh, too shy, I think. And, yeah. Uh, they Part really of... want to uh, have a choice between some stuff that I already decided on. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's kinda, why kinda, you're kinda the... like uh... with Andrew's game, I guess. I think it's fun to have some uh, interactive uh, creativity going on. So Yeah. They, well, I... they do want it. I mean, they do pay specifically for that tire. So Yeah. I just need to find a kind of a good way to do it that they uh, also like to uh, participate in. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this this is kind of a trial, like this Elf Voyager edit. It's kind of they they wanted to have a Voyager edit. They voted for that. That's good. And uh, so I'll try to give them something. But, yeah, it's, uh, I think um, sort of uh, social media um, kind of fan interaction and maintenance and sort of uh, support is almost like a different skill set from the types of things that draw like lead you to being having a fan base so it's sort of like a, you have to learn a little bit as you go right like how, how yeah, absolutely. To... So, i'm just finally getting the hang of a patron i think uh, after several months but uh, it's, it's still a learning process it's quite difficult well it's probably the kind of thing that it helps if you have more time to devote to kind of yeah. just being on it and, and figuring it out and it's, it's tough it's tough to be an adult and have like other responsibilities besides like internet Fun. It took uh, took super long to make this last edit. The next one won't take so long. It just it was super difficult. <laughs> I know it sounds ridiculous, but to find the good Riker footage. <laughs> yeah, it's easy the... to easy to do all the CGI stuff. I, I got that. But... Could you get a Riker body double and just? <laughs> yeah, I've I could... actually already talked to Andrew about it. like if we can just uh, make a CGI Picard, and we can just do anything. <laughs> I, what if I um, get a? Like a Riker uniform, like a Star Starfleet <laughs> uniform costume and like a green screen, and just like do yeah. a bunch of stuff for you and send it to you, and you can do. Because I feel like I feel like I have a f similar physique to Riker. Yeah, I mean, I'd like yeah, to I think. think. We just just put you in. Uh, if you can get a, like an instant outfit or something, or you yeah. can just be, uh, you can just be some character that we can always use. Well, I grew a beard for a while too, but I. Oh, there you go. It was too like itchy, so I shaved it off. So <laughs> I, I look, uh, I don't look mm -hmm. as handsome as Riker. Do you have a green screen? No, I would have to buy like some, I don't know, some green fabric or something to drape over. <laughs> I don't know. You can just to... buy. You can get some green paint and paint the living room. Green. Yeah, I would have to. I'm sure, your wife will love that. Well, right now my computer's setup is sort of all in in our spare bedroom and it's all sort of pointed at the spare bed so if i'm like on a camera at all it looks like i'm about to put on some kind of bed show <laughs> because <laughs> i can't i if i if i did any kind of like 
video performance, I would have to figure. I'd have to build like a studio for myself or something. Or I guess I guess I could just start like doing like camera shows like in bed. As long as you put some uh, some of that David Lynch music on it, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I I would I would double. That's pretty good. I could set up a a Patreon for my uh, mm. my cam mm-hmm. cam guy account. So I'll call it. I, cam I, guy. I think I get a lot of subscribers and contributors. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I think we're pretty much good on this. Uh, I yep. think so. They the aliens fly away and and um, I think and Picard after after yeah Picard delivers one of those like last lines from first episodes like he's like let's see what's out there engage he actually says uh, something very strange it's uh, he says I remember it by heart he says uh, any problems Riker and Riker says well sir I just hope. I'm just curious if all our missions will be like this. And then Picard, for some reason, says, well, no, number one, I'm sure there will be much more interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Which is a very strange line. Well, I I mean, he basically is saying, like, it's sort of like, he's talking to kind of the the audience. He's like, you guys like that? This was a really bad episode. (laughs) No, no, I think that it was intentionally understated to be like, you ain't seen nothing yet. Like you like that? Yeah, we got more of that. Like times ten, guys. It's gonna be awesome. <laughs> Tune in. The, the, it would be funny if he said that. Like literally what you just said, it would be pretty funny. Like, no, I mean I would be a great writer of of these shows. I'm like, sure. If anybody would let me, but as soon as I get to a, a million per month on my Patreon, I will just hire you as a writer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and just like, shoot our own. Yeah, that's, that's great. <laughs> that would be awesome. I'm sure we can really like seriously. We can all if we all work together, we can make an amazing, uh, yeah, you know, space show. It doesn't even have to be Star Trek. It well, I mean, it's like you, you, I think I think you could just change things just a little bit. So it's like you know, yeah. I mean, there, now there are, there are so many of those shows. There's the Battlestar Galactica, there's you know, Stargate, and all yeah. that stuff. And it's basically all the same. That's, it's, yeah, that's you guys to market it, you know, you because you don't want to be like. Well, it's an homage, and it's not for profit because, like, it's definitely for profit. We want yeah, fat, no, that's why I would I wouldn't want it to cash be, for uh, this, you know. I wouldn't <laughs> want it to be linked to Star Trek. It would because then you have to like not make money from it. Like, if I could personally CBS. make money off of selling just like signed headshots of Michael Dorn, I'd do it. <laughs> I take I take those dollars. Sure. He wouldn't yeah, like no, it. We, but... we just need to make our own uh, our own show. Then. Yeah, we can just sell the help. Sell, sell my own headshots. Everybody wants those. There um, was a there was a French uh, Star Trek, by the way. Not Star Trek, obviously, but like a parody uh, yeah. parody show. Is it good? It was called a Space Cake. <laughs> <laughs> why? Why would it be called actually, that? Actually, saw the I saw the set in real life, and it's a very small. Um, it was a super low budget, and uh, they canceled it after a few episodes. Oh, Space Cake. That it was pretty good. cute. Should bring that back. And there's also there's another one. Mm-hmm. There are actually two uh, Star Trek parody shows on TV in France, can you believe it? And the other is called uh, Deep Space 69. <laughs> oh, that sounds just like a straight-up porno parody, though. Oh, it's very funny. It's animated, and huh. it's uh, it's actually pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> sounds very lowbrow. Um, I'll check it out. Is it, on, is it on YouTube? Yeah, I guess you link. The only reason I know about it is because we went to a conference with that writer in uh, France, and uh, 
You also, mentioned this is so no, you're, really, so never you're, heard of it. <laughs> so you're throwing him a, a plug here. Do you know his name? Yeah. Oh, not off the top of my head, man. <sighs> He's crushed. Uh, but uh, yeah, Deep Space Sixty Nine. Uh, Let's I'll, bring it back. <laughs> give you the. It's funny. Yeah, we could maybe we could drop the uh, link to Deep Space Sixty Nine into the uh, episode description here. So, what would you uh, what would you rate this episode? Right. Um, I didn't think about it. I have to come up with that. Well, I, I gave it. Why don't you go, go first? I oh, gave it okay. five out of five uh, emergency saucer steps. <laughs> yeah, I like it. It's good. That's good stuff. I thought of a, a better name for this episode, too. Oh, yeah. Uh, Zorn to be wild. <laughs> That's good. Better, much better than Encounter at Farpoint. Fucking Do you think they're fans of uh, John Zorn by any chance? He makes like a really uh, loud screaming uh, music. Like I don't know if you've seen uh, Funny Games. Michael Haneke is. Oh yeah, I it. have. It's, it's... It begins with a scene. The movie begins with a scene that they're listening to classical music in the car. Yeah. And then as it cuts to the title, I think uh, it starts to play a John Zorn track, and it's just like a extreme screaming and uh, guitar music. <laughs> Uh, but it's actually pretty good. I'll find it the screaming one. is from uh, the album uh, Naked City, um, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, anyway, <laughs> just curious where they get that name. I guess I'll rate this episode because it's a bit. Uh, well, it's it's pretty good. It's um, got a good structure, and it sets up the theme with Q uh, kind of judging humanity and so on. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'll give it uh, three and a half out of five saucer sips. Whoa, I I gave it a much higher rating than you. Really? Jeez, mm. I mean, I kind of, I feel like it wasn't. I, I'm not really comparing it necessarily to like the best episodes mm. of the series, but I feel like as a as a first episode, it was good. Yeah. I'm trying to yeah, like yeah. I tried to weight my rating to sort of the the, the context of the time, which is like. First of all, I think it was it's a lot better than the subsequent episodes. Um, oh yeah. So it was surprising how Definitely. good it was compared to early, like just yeah. standard uh, mid-season first and second season episodes. Oh yeah, um, I was really dreading watching this, and I yeah. was pleasantly surprised. And I mean, I guess if we're gonna keep doing this, we're up. The next episode to watch is, let's see, the Naked Now maybe. It's uh, oh, the naked now. now, yeah. Is that a Q episode? Um, or am I thinking of the naked cued now from <laughs> your edit? <laughs> am I mistaking that yeah. as a canon <laughs> yeah, episode? That's right. That's right. Yeah. I like uh, that they always put Q's name in. This is actually uh, Encountered Farpoint. is the only one where they don't put Q in the name. It's funny. They should have called it Encounter at Farpoint. Encounter. <laughs> <laughs> I should go back and change that to be more consistent. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the naked now is the, is the second episode. Um, all right, we'll just, we'll check that out. I think we're gonna we're gonna I've do that no next, right? No idea what it's about. That's good. I think they're all naked in it. All right, well, uh, I think we're we're good. Let me uh, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll bring us out with some uh, with a little bit of uh, John Zorn, <laughs> Naked City. <laughs> okay. Thanks for uh, for tuning in, and Jan, thanks as always for joining me. It's been a a, a lot of fun. Yeah, and um, I think we'll maybe we can reconvene next time for the Naked Now. 
Great. All right. Have a good night, everybody. This is John Zorn, Naked City.